who's lying? You don't want to call your husband or your kid a liar, but your, some, your kid's lying. Not my sweet baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy step family coaching team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome one and welcome all. (laughs) This is like the circus. Is that what that is? Oh, is that where that comes from? Uh, I'm guessing. Okay. Of course, I mean, you know, <laughs> blended families is sometimes like a circus. <laughs> yes. So welcome to episode 171 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. And if you like today's episode, do us a favor, share it out. And hey, how about head on over and leave us a review at wherever you listen to this wonderful podcast. That was David's radio voice. Is that what that was? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sound like a frog dying. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Before we start talking about our guest today, I want to tell y'all about something I am so excited about. Nope, it's not my birthday. Nope, it's not Christmas coming up. It's an anniversary. Nope, it's not because of our anniversary. It's because on October the 1st, there is a Rotary event. Oh. And I'm so excited I can't talk. David is going to be a heckler. So we get to throw tomatoes at him. I am so excited. I called his sister yesterday, and I said, girl, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it's funny, Jackson and your sister both said, can I bring my own tomatoes? Yeah, what's that all about? Because your sister wants to make sure they're rotten. (laughs) I know where that comes from. (laughs) So here's, let me tell you a story. Okay, well, hang on. (laughs) And your stepson is because he's too frugal to pay. Is that what it is? Yeah. All right, so let me tell you the story about the rotten tomato and my sister, and then maybe it'll make sense as to why she says she wants to bring rotten tomatoes. <laughs> when when we were kids, uh, we've got we've got some cousins, both boys, which really didn't matter in the story, but <laughs> we were riding dirt bikes one day, and she was on the back of the dirt bike. Uh, with my oldest cousin and me and my younger cousin <laughs> were trying to evade them. You know, <laughs> they kept, you know, coming at us and, you know, we would run and, and try to get behind something so they wouldn't run over us, even though they probably really weren't going to run over us. Anyway, we were at my grandparents' house and my grandfather was a farmer. Um, and there was this wheelbarrow. <laughs> Full of rotten tomatoes <laughs> that we ducked behind at one point. And so as they come at us and, and went by us, I grabbed a rotten tomato and I chunked it at them and smacked her right in the back of the head. <laughs> and she had, I'm talking nasty rotten tomato juice all in her hair, running down her back. <laughs> David. <laughs> and she, to this day, I mean, I don't know how old we were. We were probably 10. So to this day, she still is like, I'm going to get you back for that. <laughs> that must be where it came from. Yeah. But I'm so excited. Why are you so excited? I don't know. <laughs> like, you abuse me all the time. Why does throwing tomatoes at me excite you? I don't know, but I'm just really excited, and I can't wait for the day. All right. So, and we're going to record some of it. Oh, we are? Yeah. Jackson gets to take his anger out on the stepdad through tomatoes. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad that listeners aren't, like, saying that they'll be willing to pitch in to give you more throws. If you are interested. No, no, (laughs) no. 
<laughs> and pitching in to give us more throws. No. Please contact me at Lori at NachoKids.com. No. Yes. No. You can't stop them. And if you want to attend this event, it's a family event. There's going to be, what, bouncy houses, David? Is that right? No. No. It's a 5K run or walk, and then there are going to be some things like, I don't know, some games to play and... And this other thing called touch a truck where they're bringing out like fire trucks and dump trucks and bulldozers and stuff for kids to be able to touch. Right. So <laughs> if you are within a thousand mile radius. Oh my God. <laughs> you out of your mind. And would like to come to the Rotary event. It is October the 1st. The 5K starts at eight o'clock. So I would say the other festivities would start 9.30-ish. And it is being held at the University of South Carolina, Lancaster. And that is zip code 29720. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. All right. Very, very short time frame, folks. The Step Family Summit. Da-da-da-da! And this is the third annual ultimate Step Family Summit. And it's the four-letter F word. Yep. F-R-E-E. That's right. You can find out more by going to nachokids.com slash the Step Family Summit. Can you spell that? T-H-E-S-T-E-P-F-A-M-I-L-Y-S-U-M-M-I-T. Good job. <laughs> you wouldn't know if I spelled it wrong. Yes, I would. You hush. I'd be throwing <laughs> tomatoes at you if you don't You know chill. I used to be into spelling bees, boy. Are we talking about when you were six? So? <laughs> I should have said, the Step Family Summit, T-H-E. <laughs> Can you use that in a sentence? <laughs> Are there any other pronunciations? Anyway, happiness and joy. Our guest today is stepkid Brielle. Brielle grew up in a blended family of nine. Ooh, law. And I'm not even going to try to get it right with how many of brothers, stepbrothers, stepsisters, all that stuff. (laughs) You just have to listen. The hardest part of the blend for her was balancing growing up as the eldest sibling, and helping raise the kids while supporting parents in their new marriages. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. It is. And we don't often have stepkids on here. And so, and this is an adult stepkid. She is just shy of her 30s. Yeah. So it gives you some insight for those who have never been a stepkid as to Mm -hmm. what it might be like dealing with the mess. (laughs) One of the things she said was that she put off getting her driver's license because she didn't want to be a taxi. (laughs) (laughs) She was smart. She knew. She Uh knew what was going to come with that. That's the way with my kids, you you know, when the oldest got his license, like, thank goodness he can start hauling some of these other youngins around. Mm -hmm. Something else that's interesting is at one point, five kids shared one room. Oh, my goodness. Well, you had four in one room, and they wanted it that way. Well. For a short time, but then they got into two two rooms. So it was two right. room, two rooms, whatever. Yeah. Right, but they didn't mind sharing rooms. No, no, they didn't. Not at all. Something else that probably every listener will be able to relate to is she said dinner time was very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think all step family dinners are stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you anything else, but this is a really good interview. All right. Well, let's get to listening. Today, we have a stepkid. Hey, stepkid Brielle. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. So you grew up in a blended family. I did. You survived a blended family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to ask what your age is, but give us a a decade that you're in so we kind of know where you are. Okay. Just shy of my 30s. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. So, uh, cause we've, we've had some stepkids before and it does make a difference. It's 
as far as how old they are and how far, you know, it's been since they've kind of lived in the same house with all the craziness and madness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So you're, you're well adjusted. Is that right? Or are you still in therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. I know. I feel like it's a, it's a never ending process. So am I ever really done or out? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So you never are. Yeah. So for the, for (laughs) the listeners though, when I asked her if she was well adjusted, her eyes shifted up, like, I don't know. (laughs) Am I? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we just went to a new phase. You know, phase one was like childhood adjustment. Now it's like adult adjustment. I know. (laughs) I know it is. So take us through some dynamics. Well, first of all, let's go through what your blended family looked like. So how many kids and stepkids and, you know, what did all that look like? Yeah. So probably the blending started happening when I was like about 10 or 11. I think that's when my mom met her new husband and they brought in two stepsisters and one stepbrother. And then you had me, my brother and my sister from her previous marriage with my dad. My dad remarried. That brought in two more stepbrothers on that side. <laughs> and then my uh, my mom and my stepdad ended up having our half-sister. So one child of their own. Okay. So a total of how many people were in that house at one time? I knew you were going to ask me that. Every time I, somebody <laughs> asked me, I'm like, I don't even know. What, what was that? I guess total of seven kids under one roof, I think, at one point in time. For a few years, at least. The eldest, he's, you know, he was probably 17 or 18 at the time. So he moved out real fast. <laughs> that was me the eldest. <laughs> okay. Wow. So you're now the oldest one in the house because the 18-year-old <laughs> had the opportunity to skip out. Mm-hmm. 18-year-old so, stepbrother, yeah. right? Or by a brother? Yeah, stepbrother. He probably moved out like in his really early 20s or something. There's probably a, just a few years where he was there. And then okay. he got to go. So what responsibilities got thrown on to you being now the oldest in the house? No, oh, everything you could think of. I, I put off my my uh, getting my driver's license, even though I was the first of my friends, because I knew what that meant. It meant going and picking up all the kids from school. You know what I mean? I was the first one with the car and everything. And so also the emotional support and stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, our, our parents were kind of going through the loops with like their marriage, with acclimating, like with house stuff and putting food in all these mouths. And so I think oftentimes all the kids would just end up coming up to my room and like, just, just sitting in there, like hanging out with me. Like, what do we do now? You know what I mean? Like what's the new family dynamic? And I'm like, I don't know. So definitely a big sister slash mini parent, I think is what it started to feel like. Okay. <laughs> Did you have a, any struggles from your dad's blend versus your, your mom's blend? Cause I'm sure they were different in some ways. Yeah. I mean, my dad's blend was so much, his was so chill because we, we had such a different schedule with him. So when we got to see him probably every other weekend, they kind of did that. Like my mom had a kid's weekend and no kid's weekend. And she, her mood always uh, changed based on which one it was. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, yeah. So on my dad's weekend, we occasionally would get to see my stepbrothers, but they would spend a lot of time, I think with their dad. So definitely more on my mom's side. That's where the biggest challenges came from on your mom's side. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the one that we were pretty much full time. Yeah, because you were living there. You were living amongst the chaos. Yeah, we lived there full time. And then one of my stepsisters, so of, of the of the, those two stepsisters are twins, right? And one of them has autism and she would actually stay with her mom most of the time and just come on weekends, like on the kid weekends that we were all there at my mom's house. Eventually, the other stepsister, she moved in with us for, for like high school and stuff. So we ended up kind of absorbing her into us full time. So that's when things started to get pretty wild. Okay, let's go back. Just to clarify, because there's so many youngins in this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You, before your mom remarried, how many of you were in the home? Before she remarried, me, my brother, my sister. So your mom, so four. Yeah, and my mom. Okay. And so y'all move into a home or do they come into your home? We moved into their home. Okay. So, and then you have five additional people in that home. Yeah. So that brought in the two stepsisters, the stepbrother. And the stepdad. And the stepdad. And then they had an hours baby, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That came a few years later. <laughs> like that wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you moved into their house and we talk about this a lot. How did you as a stepkid feel moving into basically someone else's house? And did the stepkids seem to be territorial with their home and make you feel like it wasn't yours and all that happy stuff? 
or unhappy stuff? <laughs> they were surprisingly, I mean, it, the, it's funny because these were like such polarizing, like, like totally different lifestyles. I mean, we came from, you know, like a very traditional white picket fence kind of family home. We had the golden retriever and everything. <laughs> we knew all of our neighbors, all that stuff. And then they were a little bit more rugged, but it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad life. I mean, they just had this small house kind of out by the beach. Stepdad drives his motorcycle around. Like all, the girls had like these birds instead of like a big golden retriever, whatever, you know what I mean? Everything about them was just a little bit more eclectic and so different from what we were used to. And so when we moved over there, I mean, it was such a smaller space. Like we went from having our own bedrooms to then we were acclimating. So we eventually built rooms into the house, but initially five of us kids kind of just slept in like bunk beds and stuff like in, in like one bedroom. And we kind of loved it. It was all exciting for a while. It was like an adventure. But then I think the more that our, uh, our parents started to acclimate as their relationship was feeling the weight, I think of raising all these kids in, in one jump, it was just like, I think that's, we started to feel their stress. And that's when it went from like, oh, this is just a super fun sleepover, like permanent sleepover to, uh, oh, this is like a new, this is our family now, <laughs> you know? Yes. Who would you say from your opinion was most stressed or more stressed, your mom or your stepdad? Gosh, it's hard to say. Cause I think they just show stress in different ways. I mean, my stepdad, he's like one of those, like a man's man kind of guy. So I think he'll always try to play off. Like, I'm not like, I'm fine. All I need is is a beer <laughs> and I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? But then it's like, I think my mom just carried so much stress. Cause I think it, she was always the dominant, I think, parent when it came to disciplining us and, and, and raising us. And so I think not having that power or that say all the time without at least like without some kind of war occurring was a lot for her. Yeah. So did your mom continue to parent you and your stepdad parented his kids kind of thing? I think their initial approach was to sort of maybe be a united front and and raise all of us like jointly. But then what would start to happen is like, if I didn't like the way that my stepdad spoke to me or the way that he communicated, I would be sassy. And then it's like, and then I think all of the siblings, we start following suit, right? <laughs> that's that comes, that's where the setting an example came in. But I was just, I was young and I'd be like, well, who is this guy? Like, but then same with my mom, you know, if she had a, a way of being maybe snippy instead of just communicating a little bit differently and stuff, then my step-siblings would react some type of way and be like, well, why are we, you know what I mean? So there's mm-hmm. always just this kind of tension, I think. Right. And when there was tension with you and your stepdad or your siblings and your stepdad, then I'm sure your mom felt stuck in the middle and yeah, vice like versa. She kind of had to defend us, but then also it, it was weird. It was like for a while, it almost felt like there was these, these two teams dynamic, right? It's like, both families were kind of like trying to stick up for each other and defend each other. But then at the same time, every once in a while, someone would have that moment of clarity where it's like, wait, we're all one team. So, you know what I mean? Let's take a step back. But my gosh, that cycle would just be vicious over and over. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like we say, it's like a Venn diagram. Yes. Everything interacts just a tad. Yeah. But yep. you are still technically in a lot of ways. And I would say even emotionally, two separate families. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, different Exactly. We, we just, we lived life a little bit differently. I mean, the way that we spoke to each other was a little different. Ray is a totally different dad than my dad, still a great dad, but like he's, he was definitely more rough around the edges. Like, you know, if he spoke up, I was just like, Whoa, nobody's ever talked to me that way, but you know, he always meant well. And you know, he, he was trying his best to take care of what three extra mouths. And so, you know what I mean? Uh, it was, it was interesting. That to, came from the white picket fence with the golden retriever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. eating ramen noodles tonight, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'd do his best to, uh, to, to chef it up. But yeah, I mean, Sam's club was our best friend back then. Just buying bulk. <laughs> yeah. I can't Don't imagine. I know with us having seven, it was dinner time. I felt like I was on a assembly line, <laughs> just slapping yeah. mashed potatoes or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. Felt like you were um, working at the, the cafeteria mm-hmm. in the high school. Yeah. <laughs> right. So everybody bring your tray, either that or prison. I'm not sure which. But. Oh, yeah. So when you when you were going through, or rather when your your mom and stepdad were going through some struggles, were you, did you feel those? Like you could tell things were happening or did they do a pretty good job of hiding things like we we didn't do a good job (laughs) we might as well have walked around with signs (laughs) oh yeah we're not happy with each other right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no i think every dinner was like an episode of jerry springer or something and uh you know and everybody would just kind of lash out a little bit but then it was like 
I don't know, some, sometimes it was therapeutic to just to say what you had to say, even if, you know, we were still working on how to communicate that effectively without hurting each other's feelings or something. But I think whenever they were going through problems, it was really difficult for them to hide it. You know what I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. they're constantly surrounded by all of us. And so I think, I, I can't think of how many moments they had, a uh, they had just like quiet peace to, to communicate with one another, unless they like went out to the porch. That's their, that was their safe space. <laughs> yeah. Their escape. Yeah. Do you remember a, a time or a topic that was just one of those things you, you just don't look forward to? Like for us, it was a lot of times it was dinner time. Like we just knew that was going to be a bad time. <laughs> and so we didn't, you know, that was just a, a thing for us. Was there something like that with your family? Yeah, definitely dinner time. And then also when everybody like that moment when everybody's home from school and work. So everybody's bringing home whatever their baggage was from the day, whatever their stress was. Like my mom could either come home and be like, this was a wonderful day or whatever. Or my stepdad, right. He comes home. He's like, I finished my job. The contract's done. We're getting Chinese tonight. Like, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, let's go get, they came home in a good mood. It'd be, it'd feel like, oh, yay. Like they're in a good mood. But you know, if everybody comes home, it's been a hard, long day. It's like, I mean, that mood would just drag all the way to dinner. You know what I mean? And then dinner though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, that was always just like a, a weird tense moment. Cause something always would get brought up. You know what I mean? Like if we made it like halfway through, like, oh my gosh, we're almost to the, we're almost to cleanup and we didn't start anything. And then somebody would bring it in like almost as if it was missing, you know, next thing you know, we're all arguing about, uh, I don't know how to put the dishes up properly or I don't know, folding up the blankets. And then it just turns into this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I know David was really big on us having family dinners until he realized that having family dinners was a very stressful time. Yeah. And it was best just to not force it, especially with the stepkids eating spaghetti. It drove me insane. The serpent and the spaghetti slinging everywhere. I told you that's how you eat spaghetti. Oh, <laughs> cereal, you know. The yeah. Yeah. Just whatever drove me crazy, which is funny. If my kid did it, it didn't bother me. Oh, Imagine sweetheart. That. Look at that little, little noodle flopping around in his face. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think our parents were definitely the ones to be most triggered around dinner. Like my step, one of my stepdad's triggers would always be like, if we didn't say thank you for him cooking, you know what I mean? It could just turn a mood real sour, which I get it now in hindsight. I mean, he's cooking these huge portions every night after working all day in the sun, you know, as like a carpenter and everything. And then, but then also my stepsister, the one with autism was over. Sometimes she would have triggers at dinner. She'd get, she would throw a whole tantrum if she didn't get seconds or something. And then it would set all of us off. Just any little thing like that. I yep. mean, it just takes one spark. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just yep. like dominoes. Exactly. Have you seen the <laughs> image where there's matches and some of them are burnt and then one of them's dropped below and then they have ones that aren't burnt to the side? That's that's so. what it is. If, if yeah. you remove one person from that scenario, it calms things down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I reference it as the power of nachoing. You step back and look, you prevented all these fires. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but some people like those fires. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like you said, something was missing. Somebody had to bring up something. Yeah. It's too right. quiet at the dinner table. Let's stir up something. <laughs> yeah. It became our nightly uh, our nightly program or something. I don't know. It was. It was our little round of Jerry Springer. I would be like, oh, man, he's going to do it tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think you ever, do you remember your mom ever talking to you about struggles they were having, kind of using you as a support system? Yeah. I mean, I think she always tried to keep it sort of to herself while I was growing up, probably just so as not to put too much on me because then at the time, this was from when I was probably 10, 11 up until I moved out, you know, at like 18 or something. And so I think she always still saw me as like a kid and and tried not to go too far into it. But I mean, they went through all kinds of different loops. Like they went through a brief separation where they were about to, you know, just throw in the towel and then at that point I became very involved whereas she'd be telling me like maybe what is going on on their end or something, or maybe trying to kind of fish out some information from step siblings and just try to gauge like where the marriage is at or something. I don't know. So watching her kind of deal with some of those dramas, like in those settings, I became the, not the co-parent because I feel like that's a, that's a big term, but I was, I would I'd be like maybe picking up the kids from school, right. Or running to the grocery store to pick up like a little bucket of chicken from Publix or something so that she could come home and just, you know, relax for a second or make some phone calls, whatever she had to do. And so in those moments, for sure, I think in later years now, I've actually almost assumed the role of like her best friend. Like now she actually talks way more now about stuff and it's bringing, it's putting so much clarity 
into everything that was happening when we were little. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, oh my gosh, had you have told me that back then, I feel like I would have been seeing things different. Why'd you wait? Yeah. <laughs> you know? She's saying, remember that night that I threw those mashed potatoes all the way across the kitchen? Well, that was because yeah. your stepdad took up for his kid and blamed one of my kids. And <laughs> Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Now she'll tell me and, and now, like, I was just trying to stick up for you that night and everybody got mad at me and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like, well, I, you know, I was just watching it from my, my perspective. Like we were all watching a different movie that night, you know, in, in a sense. So. Right. Mm-hmm. I and I saw what I saw. One thing I experienced with Jackson and I experienced it with your kids and you experienced it with your kids. I'm sure everybody experiences it is Jackson will say, well, I told David such and such. And David will say, he didn't tell me that. Or David will say, I told Jackson such and such. And, Jackson's well, like, David didn't tell me that. Yeah. Who's lying? You don't want to call your husband or your kid a liar, but your, some, your kid's lying. Not my sweet baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a disconnect. And it, a lot of times I've realized through this journey, it is perception. For instance, one of the stepkids said that I hollered at them to wake them up in the morning. All I did was go in there, open the door, rise and shine, kids that ain't mine. Well, that's not what they were used to. They were used to mama going in and loving on them. Wake up, darling. So did I holler at him? From his standpoint, I did. Yes. From mine, no. I was not hollering at that kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That would be a thing for sure. I think that's how we feel towards the step-parents a lot. We'd be like, why'd they talk to me that way? But then in reality, it's like, if that was like on a scale of one to 10, that was six for us. In their mind, it was like a three. So like, if I I had a dollar for every time my my stepdad just threw his hands up in the air, he's like, I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) We're like, well, you're not doing it right. (laughs) So we get into this whole fight about like, I don't know, your kids are too soft. It's like, your kids are soft. And then all the kids would be trying to act tough being like, no, you guys are soft, you know, and then. We wouldn't even know we're fighting about one yet. So. Yeah, and all the kids are like, they're calling us soft. <laughs> yeah, they're like, is this a war? And, and then the kids team up and go against the parents at that point. Yeah, then we're like, oh, so we're defending our our our, our name here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, is your mom and your stepdad still together? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made it through. I mean, <laughs> I think once we all started one by one, everybody started leaving for college and stuff, and then it's like now that they've really cleared out the nest, I feel like I, they're their connection managed to, to kind of grow and get stronger and everything, man, I, it really, I was like, I wonder how much I remember like as growing up and stuff, like as I moved out and as other siblings, sometimes we'd call each other and we would all ask and we'd be like, do you think like, how much more do you think they've got? <laughs> like, in them, you know what I mean? We're like, I'm kind of impressed at this point. Like <laughs> I'm curious. It just felt like that thing. It's, it's like watching something that's so close to snapping that you're like, Ooh, it like makes you wince, you know? Like, yes. Just like, I don't know if they're going to make it through this last one more blow, you know, but, but they really did. And I think that despite it being a very rocky, tumultuous journey to watch as kids, it, it kind of taught us all something about hard work and about putting that work into relationships and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, I was about to, to take you down that path of, of that question, which is how do you feel about relationships now having seen somebody fight so hard through tough times like that and stay together? Yeah. I think I'm sitting right on the fence right now for some reason between I'm such a commitment folk later. Like a lot of my friends are are married, right? For instance, they've are, or they've recently been engaged or something to me. I'm like, I don't, I'm not even close to that. <laughs> like, I was like, I've seen the work that you got to put into it. I was like, I'm that tired just from work right now. So I'm part, part of me, I don't even know if I want to like get married. You know what I mean? But then the other part of me, I'm very serious and good in my relationships. And I feel like I'm a lot more communicative and my problem solving in in relationships now, it's almost like I put extra effort into it almost as if to try to looking back, if I, if I try to imagine me in their scenario, sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know what, maybe now in my relationship, let me just try to like work on this thing. Like, let me ask those questions or like, let me figure out what my partner needs right now. And like, so in a way it was great, but (laughs) maybe it's also contributed to my caution towards Mm -hmm. like commitment right now or something. Well, you you probably definitely developed a skill set that you didn't realize you were developing. Yes, I think so. And now I'm just maybe you know I'm, I'm waiting until I feel like okay now I have I I have I'm ready to give all of that that energy you know what I mean or like all of that compromise all of that sacrifice like I think because I've seen firsthand how much it, it can take not that every relationship is going to be like that and I know there's beautiful moments and we had great moments too but seeing how much it is I think I'm weighing that 
decision marriage differently. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing like what it really would take from my eyes. And I'm just like, okay, let, let me just, I'm going to just take it slow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we'll get there maybe I'm sure, but. Okay. So, so scenario, you, you find this guy, whether you're swiping or whatever you're doing these days. <laughs> swiping or wiping. <laughs> swiping or yeah. So you find this guy. He's amazing. You go out on a date. You have everything in common. Just you can see yourself with him. And then he says, I have a kid. <laughs> oh, what do you do? <laughs> Honestly, I mean... I am. A, I'm actually. I'm the gay kid in the family, so I haven't had to worry about the, the kids' situation <laughs> well, too much. But that's that's added a whole other element to uh, marriage and, and those like some of those bigger decisions. But yeah, I mean, for instance, my partner now does want kids, and I am like so not into it. You know what I mean? Like my in my mind, I'm like I don't know. I feel like I just I just helped raise like six siblings back there, so, so I'm just like I feel like I kind of have my fix. I have that big family experience. Like it's fun to jump into it whenever I feel like it. Go home for the barbecues or Christmas or something, and then come back to my peace, come back to yes. the no kids zone, like have that, that breath of air that I've had. I, I didn't have when I was little, but I mean, and good a Lord. lot of people will look at what I had and they're like, man, I kind of wish I had that. Like they'll look at it and be like, it sounds like a blast. I mean, hard, but like a blast to have all that family. And I'm like, I guess. Yeah. You had a football team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, good Lord, look at all those youngins. You've got to have nieces and nephews, if not yet. You will have a buttload of them on the way. Mm. Yeah. One niece so far has come in. So we're, we, we've got one. <laughs> and I think all my younger siblings, like my my sisters, stepsisters and stuff, they're definitely looking forward to kids. I mean, my stepsister, she's in a pretty long relationship, I think maybe marriage is on the table pretty soon. And she has talked about wanting like at least four or something, oh, <laughs> you know, wow. so wow. she'll bring it home for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> so do you feel like that watching your mom and your stepdad beat the statistics? Because that's what they did. They beat that 72% of failure rate. Do you think that when you and your partner have an argument that you don't necessarily jump to, oh my God, this could be the end. Because I know a lot of problems people have in relationships is one fight and they feel like it's the end. So they panic and it just makes those emotions go crazy because they're thinking I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to get another job. My kids want to have to change schools. So all this stuff spirals just because they got in a fight over who left the coffee grounds in the sink. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But with us, it's like we got in a fight. And I think. No, we, you got in a fight. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think when we decided to do Nacho Kids or to try what is now Nacho Kids and say, look, we're, we're going to do this. Divorce, separation is it's off the table. It's not an option. And I think that helped us to push through without having those other feelings. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely. That, that de- definitely has instilled those feelings in me. I'm really not a quitter, <laughs> you know, like I, I put a lot of work into my career, my relationships, my friendships as, as much as I can. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I think if my, if I saw my mom and my stepdad maybe show more of their loving side, like I never, ever really got to see what their romantic side was aside from like their wedding and, and kind of what I see now, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. If they showed that side more, I feel like I'd have a better understanding of the rewards. I think that come from working really hard at your relationship. I mean, I've seen that they've persevered it and it's inspiring and I want that in my relationships too. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I still, I mean, I definitely don't run away after one fight. I agree. I like when we have room to grow as people in relationships. I like that if we get into a scuff, I don't have to worry about my whole life just being uprooted like overnight or something. I mean, and that's a real fear, you know, in the past relationships where they would leave after like maybe, you know, a month of just going through something, something difficult together. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, oh my gosh, abandonment issues. Like that's new. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't know what, I didn't know those were there. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm I'm more inclined to, to work really hard at something, but I think I'm also, I've been, I've almost trained myself to look at every option I have to ensure that I'm choosing the best one for myself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if people would think that that's shifty or not, but I mean, I, I do generally will choose, I'll choose the harder, harder path any day if I feel the reward is worth it. Right. When you were talking about not seeing them be loving toward each other, I pictured this in my head. I'm doing dishes. David <laughs> comes up. 
and hugs me. And I'm like, for the love of God, get off of me. I'm trying to do dishes. (laughs) (laughs) So your stepdad might have tried and your mom's like, get off me. I got 36 plates here to wash or I've got to go wash laundry, whatever it was. Because that's what we do is we're like, okay, this isn't lovable time. This isn't, come love me. I've got Dawn on my hands. No, I just know when I can trap you. <laughs> you're in the laundry room. You can't escape. Or if you're doing dishes, you're you're stuck between me and the and the counter. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and see, my uh, love language is acts of service. And his is physical touch. So he's wanting me to hug him, and I'm wanting him to help me do dishes. Yeah. So she gets out easy. Like, I got to do stuff. (laughs) I think their love language would for sure. And maybe it's an act of service, but I I know uh, my dad or my stepdad would be extra perky if around Christmas, my mom found some awesome deal or sale to like alleviate the Christmas present costs. He'd be like, oh, I love you. (laughs) Like, I mean, they'd be really affectionate then, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my mom, yeah, she definitely likes to, uh, she doesn't say no to a lot of things. So I think she'll do a lot around the house. And that's like, I think when they get a chance to just like, if it's an hour before like normal on any given day that they can just rest, go have their porch break and just relax together. They're like thrilled, <laughs> you know, that yes. is an act of service and their, their mood is like exponentially better. <laughs> I remember one year we tried to convince the kids how awesome it would be to get Christmas in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause they could get so much more stuff. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. I don't think. What about your relationship with your dad? My relationship with my dad is great. I mean, he definitely became the, uh, I don't know. My mom always says that in his, in my eyes, he's always been like my hero and stuff. I mean, everybody says that we are exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like I am just the female daughter version of my dad. <laughs> you Daddy's know? little girl. Uh, yep, definitely. And uh, I think we didn't get to spend as much time together. I think growing up, cause he was always, he was really busy and stuff. I think following their divorce and just kind of trying to, to be the dad and, and support his family from afar. I was gonna say, you're but, probably paying child support. <laughs> yeah. Like a bunch. So I think he had to go out and like, and do what he had to do, but he always looked out for us. He's, he's always still that guy to this day. You know what I mean? And so I think he and my mom being able to have a healthy like friendship and like, they're still, you know, they still count on each other as co-parents to this day that like helped more than probably more than anything. So how often did you see your dad? I would see him every other weekend, me and my siblings. So me and my sister, brother. That's right. You said that earlier. Yeah. We would go every other weekend. How was it with, we call it the hours baby. So when your mom and stepdad had their own kid, how did that change the dynamics in the house? It was just interesting. I mean, first, because we were all like preteens at this point, and now there's just like a baby. <laughs> we kind of assumed like that phase is over, you know? But... And you knew how they were made? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like in every way they were trying to kind of turn a new leaf. Like we had just moved into like a new a new home and everybody kind of had their own space. Like for one second, we kind of all like had our own rooms and then there's like a new baby coming in. So it sort of felt like this was going to be a new chapter or something, you know what I mean? And everything around us was, was sort of brand new. So it was exciting and interesting. And I think the baby, she like brought in something that united all of us or something. I mean, it, for some reason, she just reminded me of like the, that show Shameless though, like just that youngest <laughs> sibling or something that we all just like love dearly and, and kind of, I don't know, she, she gave the family character or something. Like she really was a blending of, of the two of us. So we all, we all love her so much. Yeah. yeah. For us, it was the dog. Yeah, for us, it was the dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. I remember sitting at dinner one night, and I was taking notes on stuff I needed to do with Nacho, and Jackson writes on there, get a dog. And I looked at him. I'm like, are you telling me we need to get a dog? He said, no, they need to get a dog. He said, remember how we all came together when we got Ziva? Because it was something we all loved. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, his kids will call and FaceTime. With the dog. Yeah. They'll say, where's Ziva? I'm like, she went to the store. Where do you think she is? <laughs> yeah. And then they try to talk to her and she don't want anything to do with them. But Yeah. I mean, as we speak, she's up under this table. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Spoiled rotten. <laughs> so what's your relationship like between you and your step-siblings and your other siblings and the other step-siblings? <laughs> You know, yeah, right. <laughs> family A and family B. How do kids get along there? 
I mean, so family A, like the, the big family, like we all basically kind of grew up together since we were like 10. So I think we, we were really, really close and we still are close to this day. I mean, I think my stepsister calls me the most out of all the siblings, all the boys are bad. So the stepbrothers never call <laughs> same with my brother, brother, you know what I mean? He's just, he'll send me a text every once in a while and ask me if I think a design is cool or something. Cause now he's doing something similar to my career track or something, but I maybe that's normal for boys, but all the sisters and stuff really we've binded together. We're kind of each other's, I think, best friends and sort of our go-to for, for venting about all things family related, <laughs> you know, they're actually stronger than I am with, with boundaries. Like I am for sure. I, I will answer every single call from my mom or my stepdad or my dad, whoever, you know what I mean? I answer every phone call. And they're like, man, you got to really start just putting up some boundaries. Like, you know, draw some lines every once in a while. <laughs> but I'm like, when did you surpass me? You know, like, <laughs> but they're, they're wise. And it's, it's nice to have just this colony of like best friends. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. best thing about blended families is all of these best friends that we have. I set a boundary one time with my sister calling me at three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't answer the phone and she died. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it's true. Way to take this to a morbid place real yeah. quick. Well, that's my anxiety. That's my, I have the same fear. Like, yeah, if I don't answer. I mean, you don't mind not answering when I call. <laughs> <laughs> well, she called at three o'clock in the morning and granted she had no concept of time. And she had called me the night before or whatever, two o'clock in the morning. I need some chocolate ice cream or bring me a light or whatever. So the phone rang at three o'clock and I looked at it and I'm like, I am not answering this phone. And so I got up the next morning, called her back. She didn't answer. I figured she was asleep. No, she was dead. <laughs> See, it's a, it's a real, it's a fear. It's like, it's, you never, you never know. And, you know, and I, I think, see, I had similar experiences just with friends. Like I know if I get a call late at night, it could be anything. So I'm like, I'd rather just have it. Otherwise my anxiety will consume me all night. And I'm still trying to figure out if that's a, a trigger or something to take to therapy or if that's just instincts now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and so rarely my dad calls that when he does call, I answer the phone and say, who died? <laughs> right. Yeah. And his answer is always the same. I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> you were talking about your other stepbrothers on your dad's side. Mm -hmm. Do you have a close relationship with them? I'm sure it was a lot, lot different because you didn't see them as often, but were y'all yeah. able to bond any? Were they older, younger? They were about my my age. I think one stepbrother was a year younger than me. The other stepbrother is a year older. And okay. so when we got together, I mean, it, it was such so few times in between because honestly, their their father actually lives in Europe. So it's like they had way bigger stretch back and forth and stuff. So, but the few times that we did get to hang out, it was like a blast. I think because we weren't living in that house full time. It's like anytime we hung out with them, it was like, it was, a, it was a party weekend. It was like, Oh, cool. Fourth of July at dad's. We get to go hang out with our stepbrothers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and we have always been in a predominantly like female family to have two boys and like the rest are girls, like five sisters, whatever it is. And to go to like a boy dominant household, it was just funny. Cause it'd be like, let's video games. Like, you know, all of our <laughs> activities were totally different. It was, so we had a blast with them. I mean, it was, it, it was short lived. I mean, cause they, they were getting older faster. And, and so was I, I mean, I was like leaving for college and stuff. So I wish we got to spend out like more time together, but it was fun. It was fun there. But again, that wasn't the full-time household. So I think it was just, you don't get to see all the other stuff that happened. You, 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 leave, you leave when the vibe is changing and you just, you show up when it's good, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so totally different though. Do you still talk to them? Sometimes I, I get to see, I mean, one of them is he's just totally doing his own thing. I think he maybe moved back to Europe with his dad and we never, we never talk. And then the other one, like the older one, he occasionally stops by. I think I saw him maybe a, a few Christmases ago, but mm -hmm. they pretty much do their own thing. So. <laughs> yeah. How much older are you than the hours sibling? Oh boy. She must've been born when I was, gosh, I had to be like maybe 13, 14, somewhere in that range. I know I wasn't driving yet and we were still in that new house that we had. So I had to be around 14, like maybe just starting high school. And then she was just born. So that's, what is she? I guess if she's like kind of 14 ish now. I was going to say she must still live at home then. Oh yeah. She's like in high school now. <laughs> so that's pretty trippy. Like she's just, yeah, she's just starting high school. Definitely far apart though. I mean, for sure, like a whole decade, you know, so. Yeah. 
so weird. All the differences. And yet my mom swears that she is, me and her are almost twins separated. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's just like me, but from back then. And, she must be know. giving your mama a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, at the same, and then we, we laugh though, because she is, she is supremely spoiled compared to all of us. I mean, it, the amount of toys and attention that she can get now, man, you, you did not go on that like seven person in one RV trip and it shows because <laughs> like the cuter and stripes from those family vacations. Yes. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask you because I know sometimes the hours kid, if they are close in age to the sibling, say if you're three years apart, mm-hmm. then when you're nine and you're going to the other bio parents for Christmas, the hours baby's like, why don't I get two Christmases? Why don't I get two vacations? But she was so far behind in age from you anyway, that that wasn't an issue, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we all kind of just, we just spoiled her. We just funneled everything kind of into her. So if anything, maybe I I would imagine she lucked out, but I don't know. Maybe her, her perception is a little bit different. I think it was harder for her with just with the age separation than it was the marriage. Cause I think having all of her siblings moving out and kind of moving on, when she was like sort of just coming into maybe finishing up elementary school and like middle school and stuff. I'm sure she was, maybe she's more, she wishes that she had that same crazy sibling dynamic that we had where we all got to grow up in that chaos together. Cause there yeah. was, there were good moments, but I don't know, we all come home all the time and, and establish, you know, a close relationship and stuff with her. I just, it's interesting. She has the most unique journey, I think out of all of us for sure. Mm-hmm. Is she the only child left at home? Yes. Mm-hmm. So how, Did your mom talk to you about how she felt when everybody left? Has she ever said, when those stepkids moved out, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Or or was it more of... Billy Bob's never going to move out. I'm so so afraid he's going to be here when he's 30. (laughs) I think... All the kids were were pretty quick to move out and, 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 and to, no, to no fault. I mean, maybe partially to their fault, but I mean, everybody was ready for their independence, for their freedom. I mean, when you grow up in such a packed house, it's just, you're ready for your own thing. So I don't know if she had to wait too long for everybody to kind of, for everyone to get out, but I definitely think I saw a shift in, in her for sure. As people started to leave in, in a lot of ways, it was great. But then in other ways, I think you, I started to see the empty nest thing <laughs> kind of start to kick in. But mm-hmm. it was such an even split between like relief and like maybe sadness. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it. Because mm-hmm. I know when David's kids moved out, first of all, I never thought that I would be sad. If you would have told me 10, 11 years ago, I was going to be sad when those stepkids moved out. I'd have been like, you are lying like a dog. Because <laughs> right. when they're leaving, I'm going to be doing the hippity hop dance, whatever. I want to see that. <laughs> but <laughs> I miss them. And I miss them when they left. I was not looking forward to them leaving. So it is a sadness. I know it's not the same sadness I'll experience when my son moves out. I'll be doing hippity hop. Oh, hush. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I know it's not the same sadness. But it's And it's not necessarily a happiness that they're gone as much as it's a happiness they've grown up. And that they're not 30 and living in our house and playing Xbox all day. So I I get it. There's a mix there. Yeah. You know, like when we went from doing, I don't know, having these crazy Christmas mornings, my stepdad would have put on uh, the Jimmy Buffett Christmas CD. (laughs) That was like his one uh, unique (laughs) quirk. And then, uh, and we'd all sit around and, and people would be drinking their coffee. And like, we sat around the tree and there was like seven kids, like all on the floor, like opening presents and stuff. We also, I think had a dog in the mix in those moments, there was something that I think looking back, I'm just like, man, if only I knew then, like we really won't have this forever, you know? And yeah. I, I'd be one of the older siblings, like, God, you guys can't just wait one more hour. Why do we do this at like 6 a.m.? But looking back, I'm like, those were great moments though. And, and now we're all older and we have different plans. And it's like, I, I, don't, I can't even think the last time we had a Christmas where we all actually were in one place at the same time, all came home for Christmas Eve together and woke up together. It's like, that might maybe never happen again. Or if it does, we have to put immense effort into orchestrating it. And so I think moments like that, for sure, like my mom and my stepdad, honestly, probably miss because now they've been on this, uh, they're they're craving a family vacation. (laughs) They're like, why don't we just skip Thanksgiving and go on a cruise? You guys are all old enough. We've talked about that. (laughs) Yeah. Like now that everybody's older and uh, and we can really just speak our minds, you're adults, you can handle it. Like, let's just, let's go out and have like an adult family vacation now, you know, (laughs) like do something fun, wild, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now it's more 
It's more expensive though because they all went out and and you know they've got other people that they've either married or they're attached to in some ways or having kids with, and it's like. Yeah, that cruise is getting more and more expensive every year. <laughs> we yeah. ain't paying for it. <laughs> they want to yeah. go, it's their buck. Not I think joking. It's the trade off. That's yeah. the trade off. It's like, okay, skip presents this year and just get your get get a cruise ticket, and then uh, we're all even. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to do it. I mean, the, the memories definitely will outlast the things you get for Christmas that you don't care about in thirty days. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for true. Sure. Unless you get a pair of free bird boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those do something to your soul. I don't know what it is. Yeah, they look so good sitting in the box. <laughs> I know David had hoped that when all the kids got out of the military, that the one in the mountains, you know, he's not that far away, but that everybody would be able to get together once a month for Sunday dinner or something like that. And we haven't given up on that hope, but Branson's got two more years left in the Air Force. Yeah, he's in Germany. And Ethan was going to move like an hour and a half away, but he ended up moving four and a half hours away. So that'll be a little more challenging, but hopefully they'll make it work because I would love to have them all here Christmas morning, like you said, because I remember doing that with them. They never believed in Santa. It was just something we didn't do, but we would still, I'd holler at four or five o'clock in the morning, Santa came, (laughs) and they'd come down and I'd have their stuff kind of all sat out and and it was fun. And like you said, that first Christmas after that, it's like, because I mean, all of his left within the same year, didn't they? Oh, yeah. 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 Because Avery was 19, about to turn 20. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, triplets were 18 when they moved. Yep. And so it was just Jackson. And then in October, we always did this um, pumpkin hunt is what we would call it. And we had pumpkins in the woods. Yeah. And they find them. We take a little hate, well, not a hayride, but put the four wheeler up to the trailer, drag everybody back there. They find the pumpkins that are hid. Papa jumps out and scares somebody. (laughs) And then we bring them all back and we paint them. We don't cut them because we never trusted those kids with, you know, cutting devices. But that's something we're like, man, we don't get that anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And then Thanksgiving, we always demolish the pumpkins by either shooting them or running over them with the four wheeler or a go kart. And it's like, we don't have that anymore either. It's like, come on, give us some grandbabies. And <laughs> yeah. David's face is like, what? No, no. <laughs> what, what Lori did is she got tired of the lack of chaos around here. And so she goes and gets two Belgian Malinois puppies and brings them home <laughs> or has them shipped here. So we've got one Belgian Malinois who's eight years old, who's calm. I think she might be 10 this year because she's been eight for a long time. Okay. But anyway. Well, <laughs> so she's calm, laying at my feet right now, and the other two are just absolute crackheads. <laughs> They're babies. And I blame that on COVID. I had COVID, and my brain was not functioning properly, and I got these two sweet puppies, and we were outside 3 o'clock in the morning. It was cold. God, it was cold. And I looked at David, and again, I was sick, and I'm like, I'm a bad decision maker. <laughs> yeah, I won't disagree with you. <laughs> but, but I do refer to one of the dogs as one of the stepkids every once in a while. I'll call it Ethan because <laughs> yeah. it's the crazy one. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if that's a mom thing. As soon as I got a cat, my mom calls it her grand kitten, and I bring it home every year for the holidays. <laughs> so, I'm, so I am traveling with something, and then she gets all excited. I mean, she's tired yes. of waiting, I guess. So I you're not going to give me grandkids, then I'm just going to make them up with whatever you've got. So <laughs> get, get a like a Cabbage Patch doll. And take it with you this Christmas and say, I want you to meet your granddaughter. (laughs) Like they make you do in high school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Carry the baby around. Yeah, a little flower sack. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that'd be funny. Yeah. Well, what would you say is one thing that you learned besides watching your mom and your stepdad push through all the struggles? But what is one thing you've learned about being in this blended family, because you were, like you said, 10 or 11. So you hadn't hit your teenage years. You were close. So you, like you said, grew up with these kids. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't make you want kids. But what would you say is something that you've learned even about yourself through this process? You know, I'm a heck of a caregiver. I can take care of five kids. Or what have you learned from this? You know, when I was when we were going through all this and my mom had taken me to 
to, to therapy just in, in case I needed it. <laughs> I remember <laughs> the therapy, the therapist said something. She, there was a term that she used for me and she, I guess it's not a diagnosis really, but she said, oh, she's got the hero child syndrome. <laughs> and the more, I guess the way that she defined it was like, this is going to be that kid in the family that is always going to try to fix everything for everyone all the time. Even though she's a kid, she can't fix the grown up problems. She can't fix all the kid problems. She can't be everywhere all at once. I think through like growing up in a, in a blended family, I was able to sort of reclaim that title in a way that feels powerful now, because I, I think it's, it's, it's okay to be that person for everybody. I've just, I've really learned how to separate myself from the chaos of all of these people, even though I love all of them. You know what I mean? Like, I think learning, like growing up in a big family has taught me how to handle a ton of different kinds of relationships, like at the same time and, and really taught me how to communicate. And I don't know, just, I guess how to be a good right nurturer, even as someone who doesn't, doesn't really want kids. I actually think I'd be really good at it if I, if I really, if I wanted to, you know, maybe when that day comes. But it also, I think the blended family thing has just shown me that family could really come from anywhere and at, at any time. I mean, it's crazy to think that had my mom and my dad worked it out forever ago, I wouldn't have all these amazing people that I love now that I'm going to love for the rest of my life. I think being more receptive to everything that happens of life in life, even if it is crazy and chaotic in one moment and it's it's hurting some people and it's sad and it's it's nuts and it's like, oh my gosh, like let's just jump ship. Let's get out of here. It's like, seeing those hardships through and really growing in them. I mean, the, the rewards have been priceless, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have best friends for life and I'm closer to my parents and now I understand them more. So in turn, our relationship has finally improved, you know, like in, in adulthood. Right. Stuff. And if they would have split up more than likely, they both would have encountered the same troubles and challenges in another family. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then it also would have had, it would have had this trail because I remember when, you know, when, when they did kind of separate for a minute to reevaluate everything and be like, can we do this? Like, we don't even know anymore. Me and my step siblings and my, and my, so all of us, all the siblings, we'd kind of get together sometimes or like in the, in the moments that we passed and we could talk and we'd be like, well, if, if they split up, we're not splitting up. Right. And so, you know what I mean? <laughs> then it felt like we were starting an alliance and we're like, okay, well, you know, even if they bounce, like we've got to stay together and stuff. So yeah, I think if they gave up, it just, it would have, it would have been painful. It would have been like feeling like now there's these more people that, that we miss that now we have to put extra effort into to being in their lives. Like I'm glad they stuck it through so that we have reasons to see each other every single year and to stay in touch. Yeah. I have one more question before we wrap up. What year into their marriage did they take a break? Ooh, let's see. This had to be somewhere like in the five to maybe in the somewhere between four and and seven years or something. I mean, that might honestly even be a stretch. It it kind of felt like once we got together, we all moved into a new house for a few years, the baby came and then it, I think it started, or maybe this was before the baby. I don't know. The reason it was early. It was early. The reason I ask is most step families, the hardest part seems to be around year two. It's like the terrible two of blends. And so I was just curious, which, of course, when they decided to split up, they had already been struggling. It wasn't like they woke up one day and said, we struggle today. We're splitting up to reevaluate things. But I was just curious about what the time yeah. frame was. It felt like there was a couple times, to be honest. I think you're probably right. I mean, if I if I really try to, I'm sure my brain has just blocked it out naturally, yeah. but it feels like, yeah, in the, in the early, early years, there was a almost like a split moment. And then I think when they recovered, they were like, we need a fresh start got the new house. Maybe that's when the baby came in, but then naturally there was almost like another Rocky moment mm-hmm. and that carried us into the next few years. Quite and then have Ray probably at set six years or something. I'm sure that was like their last kind of separation or, or hesitance. And then beyond that, they're like, we made it this far. We're going all the way. Like, we just got to get them out of the house, go to college. Let's see where we stand. And so they really persevered from there. Well, I'm impressed with them for staying together mm-hmm. with all yeah. those youngins. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love how y'all would talk about, you think they're going to make it? (laughs) Y'all need to make sure, or you need to make sure that you recognize their anniversary. Yeah. And say, you know what? I didn't think y'all would make it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We could look back at our wagers. Uh, I don't, I think everybody would have lost money. So yeah, (laughs) but we're glad that they persevered. I do think there's a lot of lessons that came from that. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for being on the uh, podcast. It's been great interviewing you. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you for having me. It's fun to talk to uh, other people who have lived the the blended life. For some reason, I feel like I don't have a lot of friends in this uh, in this realm, even though I'm, we we all need them. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you know we do, we do hear that a lot where somebody says, you know, there's nobody around me that's in the blended family, and I kind of find it shocking, which is with as many of us as that are out there. That but if you look at it, she's between age wise, she's between kind of us and your kids, more towards your kids, of course, but. Mm-hmm. There probably was not half as many blended families growing up. Because I knew when I was in school, it was rare, very rare. I might have known three people that went to their dads on the weekend or that didn't live with both parents. It was just, you know, and then over the times, it's just kind of gotten worse and Mm -hmm. worse or better and better, however you want to look (laughs) at it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think so. I just, I yeah, it didn't feel like it was happening that much. Maybe not until like the the market crashed and I feel like a lot of families got shook up. And all of a sudden, I think I had some friends, but college for sure, maybe. I think I started to meet more. I remember with Jackson, I was thinking, poor baby, he's going to be the only child that his parents don't live together in the daycare. I think all of them were from separated families or broken families, whatever you want to call it, except for two. (laughs) Yeah. So it was was the norm by the time he was born. So it wasn't as weird or... Hard to adjust, I guess. Yep. At a young age, all anybody hears when we talked about that, if, if they found out in the class, is like, so you get two Christmases? I mean, that, that really was just the, <laughs> no, the highlight. They're like, man, that's kind of cool. I wish my family was separated. <laughs> We'd be like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't wish that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it is it really worth two Christmases? <laughs> well, it's not just two Christmases. It's two birthdays, two Easter's. Yeah. Two everything. Yeah. It's also twice the trouble. Not necessarily. <laughs> well. Well, <laughs> thank you again for being a guest and you have a good day and we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, y'all. Hope you enjoyed that. So again, if you are within a thousand mile radius <laughs> <laughs> of Lancaster, South Carolina, mm. come on and throw some maters at David. Mm-mm. I'll even go to the grocery store and buy more if we no, start you running out. You can't bring your own. Not having that because you. No, I know it, you. You'll go buy baseballs and paint them red. David. Uh huh. I know you. Well, remember yesterday. Well, first of all, I would not do that because I don't want to hurt your pretty face. <laughs> but <laughs> remember yesterday, I said I'm kind of worried because tomatoes are acidic, and what if it gets in your eyes? And you said, you assume you're going to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be fun. David has to tone down his hecklerness. I, I know I do because, you know, I can heckle. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's ever been to the Renaissance Festival, they have one here, I guess, every year around fall. And the heckler... He's hilarious, but you don't want your kids listening to him. <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely says some things that that definitely pop into my head, and I'm going to have to be very careful and let it come out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm starting to think you were a poor choice for this. I didn't volunteer. They were just like, I come up with the idea. And it's like it's like most things. When you come up with the idea, they expect you to execute it. So you be careful when you come up with great ideas. <laughs> Yes. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I'll do good. Maybe I should sit near you so I can say, David. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you'll be somewhere I can see. Well, you asked me to babysit the Jeep, and I told you I realized what you were doing. You were trying (laughs) to get me away from your heckler station. (laughs) So I will not babysit the Jeep unless I am... Close. You can be at the heckler station taking the money. Then who's going to babysit the Jeep? Jackson. I, see, you're trying to get me and him both <laughs> not to throw maters at you. <laughs> All I hear is complaining out of you. It's because you're trying to take away my joy. <laughs> I'll find somebody. I'll pay somebody to come babysit the Jeep. All right. So anything else we got going on? Oh, yeah. If you want to be entered for a chance to win a free Nacho Kids mini book, it's like a little baby book, 
10 Nacho Quick Tips, go to nachokids.com slash mini book. And that's M-I-N-I-B-O-O-K. You must register by September 29th. Yeah, that mini book is so cool. Like, we we heard from somebody over the weekend. The guy, he's got this office and he's got all these these professional books out because he likes handing out books to people. And so when people come in and they're, you know, talking to him and he's like, here's this business book you should read or here's this professional book you should read. And we found out that he's got the little mini book in his stack. <laughs> and it's on top. Yeah. But that's because this is a mini book. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if people come to his office and they're a blended family, he's like, here, you need to read this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I should send him more. Maybe you should. Maybe I'll look into that. I think you should send them to him. You should send them to a therapist and people like that that, you know, have these offices. Let them put them in their waiting room. Might generate mm-hmm. some conversation for their session. Oh, good idea. All right, folks. That's all we got for you today. Yep. Join us next week. (laughs) And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.